When we came out of college, both the bachelor program and the associate's program, we made the exact same money when we started the hospital at the same time. I ended up meeting people that graduated from Ohio State the same year I did, started the same hospital jobs that I did. This is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, thanks for coming on. No problem. And, and the reason why I wanted you to come on my podcast is this podcast is about careers and you've had diverse career in the healthcare field. And the thing is a lot of professionals, when they're looking to make a career transition, they tend to want to do move to a different industry and role at the same time. But yeah. you were able to reinvent yourself multiple times and build up your skill set and become an expert in your field. And that could be an avenue that people could take. Right. So I just wanted to discuss your career journey and how you've done different things in the same field and how that has helped you stand out compared to other people applying or trying to get into the same field that you're in. Well, like you said, my name's Kyle Goodnight. I'm a full-time paramedic for a municipality here in central Ohio. I started my medical career as a respiratory therapist. That would have been back in 96 or 97 and did that for about, I still am a respiratory therapist. I don't ever let that go so I can, you know, fall back on it if I have to, or just add it to my busy schedule. So as a respiratory therapist, I Went to a community college, got an associate's degree in it. You can also get a bachelor's degree in a res as respiratory therapy, but I chose the associate's degree, two-year degree. Got out, started working at the hospital. The funny thing is that kind of a segue into the rest of my career and it changing, it started the very first day in respiratory therapy class. My teacher had us all, of course, go around and introduce themselves and whatever. Just say a little bit about yourself and yada, yada, yada. About 35 of us in the class. And he got to me and, and I said, you know, I'm Kyle Goodnight and, you know, I'm just whatever I said. And the one thing I remember him saying, because it was so significant, it is still stuck in my head. I don't remember what I said to him, but he goes and looks at me with a dead look in my eye and goes, you won't be in this career very long. And I said, oh, wow, that's not very encouraging. What do you mean? He's like, no. He goes, I can already tell you're the type of person who's going to use this career as a stepping stone, if you will, or in addition to something else. And I don't know if that put it in my head early on or if I if he just saw something in me that I didn't see in me yet, but that's exactly what I did. As soon as I became a respiratory therapist and graduated, I soon went to another hospital in another state and went down and started exploring that down there. Ended up taking EMS classes down there with a friend of mine who was my preceptor. He started going to EMS school because he was going to be on the flight team and he needed that EMS basic. And I wanted, he's like, Hey, you want to be on the flight team? You could bust this out. I said, yeah, let's do it. So I kind of got an early interest in being a paramedic, which I am now as well from that early stage. Fast forward a few years, came back to central Ohio, got multiple jobs in hospitals, you know, full-time, part-time, you know, in the medical field, in the industry that I am with respiratory therapy, you can kind of work a part-time job while working a full-time job because you work 312. So you have time. So I was young, not married. So I did that kind of stuff. So worked as a respiratory therapist for about 12 years, loved it. I still love it, but I just choose not to do it now. But what happened was I'm sitting in the ER one day and I work primarily ER and critical care. Uh, one of our nurses was like, hey, Kyle, I, I know that you wanted to be a medic. You told us about that. You know, they have a program that you can take your respiratory therapy degree and go and take classes to become a medic and challenge the test. I was like, ooh, let's go. Let's do it. So I went and did that. Did all the prerequisites, challenged the test, passed the test. And now here I am, a respiratory therapist and a paramedic. For one whole year, I did both. I did three days at the hospital and I did every third day a 24-hour shift on a medic. That's how our shifts happen here in central Ohio. So 24 on the medic, 48 off of the medic, but those 48 hours off of the medic, I'd work two 12s at the hospital. So I had one day off a week. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of a burnout time. It was about a year of that. I was like, oh, this is too much. It's just too much medical all the time is not a good thing for the psyche. So with that being said, 
I started getting recruited for a paramedic job in a 911 system. That was at a private ambulance, my first paramedic job. So one of the 911 systems here, paramedic only, I didn't have to be a firefighter. A lot of places you have to be both paramedic and a firefighter. I did not have to be that in this company that I belong to now. And they started recruiting me, asking me to apply. So I did, I got the job there. And then shortly after I got that job, and now we're, we're, let's fast forward, we're 15 years into my career as a respiratory therapist and now one year as a paramedic. When I got that job, because of my background in respiratory therapy, I was asked to start looking at equipment for certain respiratory therapy products that we could use in the EMS field called CPAP. Back then, CPAP was really new. Everybody knows CPAP now is the sleeping mask that you sleep with if people have sleep apnea. But in our setting, in the emergency setting, we use it for people that have difficulty breathing or any type of CHF type of patient, anybody that ha that is just having struggle breathing, but don't need to have the full-blown life support on a ventilator. So that CPAP discussion with the manufacturer or the sales department that that I was looking into or they were looking into buy the CPAP from ended up sparking another thing that went right back to the very beginning of my respiratory therapy career that I wasn't going to be in this field for very long because it was a an Ohio company, a very small Ohio company that represented this CPAP device. And one of the discussions they found out that I was a respiratory therapist while I'm in my paramedic hat and he said, hey, what do you want to do with that? I mean, we need somebody. We just lost a sales rep and we need somebody like yourself who knows respiratory, who knows EMS, who has the desire to be a sales rep. And do you have any sales experience? I'm like, no, I've been trying to bust into the sales side of things for several years. It was one of those double-edged swords where if they didn't want to hire anybody without sales experience, but I couldn't get sales experience because I didn't have sales experience, you know? So it was one of those things where it was hard to achieve. But this company, Nightingale Island Medical out of Cincinnati, they took a chance on me because of my EMS background. And we had a very strong EMS product line at that time and respiratory line that they felt that my background was going to be the best thing for that territory. And I covered the whole lower half of Ohio. So then I had three jobs. I was a respiratory therapist part-time. I was a full-time paramedic. And then I was just hired as a sales rep to cover the Southern half of all of Ohio. <laughs> so something had to give. So respiratory was only a part-time gig, went into my boss and respiratory and said, Hey, listen, I've got to, you know, turn my hat in on this. I want to focus on the sales career and still keep my medic. So that's what I did. So for nine years, I'd always wanted to do more. By that time, I had worked at five or six different hospitals just to see which hospital was going to work best for me. The biggest hospital I liked the most was the one in Charlotte. If it wasn't for my mom getting sick and me needing to come home and take care of her back then, I would have probably still be in Charlotte and still be at that hospital. Maybe I would have been on the flight team by then, by now, but um, I would have done something else because I've always had that next desire. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know if you notice my background here. These are sound panels. I'm also a voiceover actor. So I've always thinking about something else to diversify my skills. I'm a handyman, so I know how to build pretty much anything. I have the time to do that now. I'm respiratory therapist, paramedic, and you know, sales rep. And then with all of that being said, Fast forward to those end of those nine years, the reason why I stopped being a sales rep is I was recruited for sales for medical product development. So a company saw my LinkedIn, saw my background and hired me to become somebody who would help bring medical supplies into the market, whether it be FDA approved stuff that are pre-FDA approved, things that were coming over from Europe or from Germany. We were looking at those devices and items and my job was to look at these products, both respiratory and paramedic products or EMS products, and then decide if it's something that would, one, be helpful to save lives, and two, my company could represent appropriately. And it was a national company. We had sales reps all over the country, and I was in charge of all of those new products coming in along with a small team and a mentor. And we ended up bringing in several products that are still on the market today. Thing about it was that's kind of a corporate job where the sales job was kind of my own thing and I could work my territory on my own time. And this was a 60 to 70 hour week job. And I was always away from my family and it started weighing on me. And then just the whole corporate world that I wasn't used to, I'm used to being feet on the ground dealing with saving lives, dealing with people's illnesses and respiratory issues and paramedic stuff in the field. 
And here I am thrust in this corporate world that I just wasn't ready for, I don't think. I had the clinical background. There was some corporate things and some business stuff that I was trying to learn. And it just got to the point where I now know what anxiety is. I now know what heart palpitations are when my patients say, I've got heart palpitations because that job was so stressful. It, and and that's it's the weirdest thing to say because I can walk into a house with somebody laying on the ground and they're not breathing and no heartbeat. And I know what to do and I go right to work and I don't get stressed at all. It's just another day in the office, right? But this corporate job is the first time I had real stress in my life. Uh, and, you know, that's with, you know, a marriage and two kids. And I mean, it was the first time that I had actual stress. I didn't know what it was. And and I ended up calling up a couple of old mentors and older coworkers that were mentors as well. They weren't old at the time. They were about my age, but I called them up and I said, Hey, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm swimming. I feel like the walls are closing in. Oh man, you're having an anxiety attack. Nah, I don't get those. He's like, bro, you're dude, you're having one. So you need to get out. He's like, I've seen your resume. It was, it was actually an old boss of mine. He's like, I've seen your resume. I hired you for a reason. You know so many people because of your sales job and the stuff that you've done in respiratory and EMS. You've got three avenues. All you need to do, and I know those phone numbers are still in your phone. So just start dialing for dollars. Call them up, call people up and see if they're hiring. So I was like, okay, well, there's a focus. I can do that. So I started calling people and that was about nine o'clock in the morning. And by noon, I was hired back at the medic and I had an interview at a local level one trauma center for a respiratory therapy position. And so I went in, gave my two weeks to that corporate job and went back into the clinical field and been happy ever since. <laughs> what a story. And thanks for sharing that. Giving us the cold, I know it's a little long-winded. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's giving a- us the cold notes for uh, your story, right? Let's start from the beginning in terms of like respiratory therapy. That's how you right. got into the medical space, right? Right. Yeah. That's a very niche role. Like a lot of- It um, is. It is. Young professionals that I speak to, they don't really like go to that like avenue, right? Like it's, right. it's very like a general. I want to get the marketing. I want to get into accounting or finance. But yeah. you said, I'm assuming you didn't say yourself, I want to get into respiratory therapy, right? There's got to be something that made you want to get into that specific niche in the medical space. Well, so, can you walk so, us through with that? Yeah, it's not very impressive. I was at the Ohio State University going to college and I'm in my third year and I don't have a major yet. And so my advisor says, go sit behind this computer and take a test. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to take a test to find out what I want to do for my life. He's like, nope, it's not a test. It's just a bunch of questions. Just answer the questions as honestly as you can. There'll be all kinds of weird questions. They're not that they're not like they're right or wrong. They're just choices. And it's going to whittle down things that you could be interested in. So I don't remember the specific name of that program or the test it was. We're calling it a test. It was more of a choice system. And one of the things on the list that it spit out when I was done was some of the medical stuff. And one of them was respiratory therapist. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I looked into it. I had no clue what it was. Zero. And by that time in my life, I had not dealt with a sick mother yet, which I did later on in life. I had never had anybody in my life that has had asthma. I didn't have asthma. You know, I didn't have, I had no clue what this was. But it, I looked it up and it kind of seemed interesting. And I, so Ohio State had a program. I applied. They only accepted 15 per year. And because I was just kind of breezing through the first three years, not knowing what to do, I didn't keep my grades to the point that they needed. And But at the same time, our community college just down the road also offered a program. And they accepted more than double the amount of people that Ohio State accepted. Now, Ohio State is a bachelor's degree and Columbus State was an associate's degree. Now, the reason why I bring that up, the only thing I would tell people that are looking at two different careers or looking into keeping that bachelor degree or getting an associate's degree or vice versa, it did hurt me at a couple of points in my career. A couple of the times that I went for sales jobs, they liked and picked someone who had a bachelor's degree. Even though they like my clinical background, they picked the person with the bachelor's degree. You know, when we came out of college, both the bachelor program and the associates program, we made the exact same money when we started the hospital at the same time. I ended up meeting people that graduated from Ohio State the same year I did, started the same hospital jobs that I did. They had their four-year degree. I had my two-year degree. We made the exact same money. But then when we would go up against each other for a promotion, they would beat me out because they had the bachelor degree. So just think of that. And I would always suggest if you can get a bachelor's, get a bachelor's. But in my case, the associates, so I didn't lose too much time was the way to go. And I didn't know back then that it would hurt me if I was trying to get. Now, 
Once again, I'm kind of a believer in things happen for a reason. You know, if it was, if I would have gotten the position that I applied for first, that I got beat out at a bat with from the bachelor guy, I probably wouldn't have been in the position to get the sales job down the road because it would have taken me on a different path because that division of respiratory therapy was called pulmonary function testing. And so they put, so respiratory therapists, they do ER, they do floor care, they do critical care ICU, they do sleep lab, they do cardiac, some cardiac departments, it's cardiopulmonary because they're kind of combined. A lot of respiratory issues are also cardiac driven too. Some hospitals have a cardiopulmonary division. So you know, one of the places that I wanted to look into was called pulmonary function testing. If you don't know what that is, that's when you breathe into a big machine as hard as you can, and it tells you how much volume you have. That's a big thing that happens for trying to diagnose COPD and respiratory dis- you know, ailments. So if I would have gotten that job, I would probably still be in PFT lab, whether it would have been a manager by now, maybe, or just, you know, any type of a director or maybe by then, I know it's been 25 years since that happened, but nonetheless, because I didn't get that job, it put me into another path than that one, which opened me up to getting a job at an ER and that nurse talking to me about EMS and then getting into EMS and then getting to the CPAP sales rep. And then the sales rep asking me that I had both respiratory and EMS you know, background and him offering me a sales job. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. I had a very good time medical sales for nine years. I loved my company, loved my boss. I still keep into contact with him to this day. I actually visit him about once a year on his farm and we hang out and make steaks and stuff. So great guy. Another thing I do is I do not burn bridges. Do not burn bridges. Do the right thing unless you're in danger, of course. You know, do your two weeks. <laughs> you know, if, if you physically feel like you're going to have a problem at the job that you're in right now, the only time I would tell you to leave on the spot, even that day I had anxiety, I went out to my car. I was getting ready to drive to the ER because I didn't know what was going on with me. I called my friend. He talked me down. I took a breath. I got a plan. I went back in, finished my day of work. By the end of the workday, I put my two weeks in. So I still did it the right way and didn't burn any bridges. I know that's another longly winded version of why I got into respiratory therapy, but that's how that worked out. There's a huge debate right now in terms of like the ROI of education. You had a perfect example. You have a perfect example about like- the bachelor people beat my associate's degree, but now like people are trying to get their MBAs and like they're spending so much money in getting like a master's and the return on investment is just not there. People are in tons of yep. student debt, graduating with yep. a bachelor's and not being able to get a job in their field. So with all this debate about like the value of education, <laughs> what's your opinion on it? And what is your advice in terms of either getting further education, going from bachelor's to master's to take it to your career up a level or for someone who's been in the working world for a while, but doesn't even have a bachelor's degree, right. what's your opinion in terms of like growing your career through formal education avenues? Right. Yeah, great question. It's funny you asked that question because this actually came up just yesterday with my captain, my EMS captain. And when I became a voiceover actor five years ago, I was debating going back to school to get my bachelor's, just so I had my bachelor's. Now, in my specific department, I don't get a bump in pay because I have a bachelor's where some people do in their line of industry, but in the medical field, typically the nursing, maybe nursing gets a bump. I'd have to ask some of the nurses that respiratory doesn't get a bump if they're bachelor's or associates that I know of, at least in the hospitals that I worked at. It was just the years of experience. When it comes to formal education, I'm also, like I mentioned earlier, I kind of sprinkled in there that I'm also a handyman. So a handyman right now, those jobs that are skilled with your hands and you can do electricity or plumbing or build something and create it in your head and then build it for a client, that's extremely lucrative. And you barely need any education other than electrician needs journeyman and that path. Plumbers need that path when it comes to being a licensed plumber. But a regular construction person who's building framing work in a house or building a deck, they don't have to have a degree for that. And they're making more money than a nurse, a respiratory therapist, or a paramedic. And some of them sometimes put together, (laughs) two of them put together, you know? So it's one of those things where I'm on the edge. I do have right now two kids that are in college, one starting out this year, one three years into it. He was very lucky at the end of his freshman year, he got a job in his field of study which was media productions. 
So he was asked to be a camera and replay person for AAA baseball team, the, the Toledo Mud Hens. That's the big leagues, right? You're doing stuff for minor league baseball, which is in me is still a higher level than just a high school or college baseball. So that spun off into being asked to do work down in Columbus for the Blue Jackets, for the Columbus crew, for Call of Duty. Okay. He goes and works three days in a row on Call of Duty tournaments and does replay for him. You're watching Call of Duty online and there's a replay from an, a situation. He does that. That's so he makes good money doing that. So he'd been in college for three years. He got these jobs and multiple offers, none of them full time. He came to me and wanted to quit. So that story is one reason why I'm telling the next thing about the higher education thing. We looked at his transcript and we said, listen, you're one year away from having your bachelor's. Let me tell you a story about when I applied for a higher level job in my field of study and got beat out because I didn't have a bachelor's. If I would have known that I was one year away from becoming a respiratory therapist as, with a bachelor's, I would have went down that path, but it, it wasn't presented to me. He was one year away of having his degree in media productions. And later on, if he wants to be a director, if he wants to be a producer, those are the ones that they're going to look and see, okay, what's your life experience? What's your history of your work? Let's see a portfolio. Oh, by the way, do you have a bachelor's? He could possibly be beat out by someone with a bachelor's if he doesn't get his. Because he's so close to being done, I want him to finish. Yes. Is he going to be in a little bit of debt when he comes out of college? Absolutely. Will he make it back? Hopefully he will. Hopefully he'll rise up through that process. I was lucky enough that I didn't get student debt, you know, gosh, how long has it been since I graduated in 97? So I didn't have much student debt at all when I graduated. College was a lot cheaper back then, even Ohio State and Columbus State was definitely cheaper. So it's one of those things where I'm kind of that person who I need to talk to someone first to find out what their interests are. I would have never told my son to go become an electrician or a plumber. He's just not that kind of person. It wouldn't interest him. He'd lose his interest. He doesn't have good dexterity, which you need to have for both those jobs. You know, he just doesn't work with his hands well, like I do. And I can do those jobs, but I never was formally trained. He just wouldn't be good at that. So he kind of needed to go into the college realm to be able to get these. And, you know, one point in time, he told me, I don't even know why I went to college, dad. I can go do this job full-time now. I'm like, time out. You got offered those jobs because you were in the college you were in. If you weren't in those classrooms and that person didn't come up to you and say, hey, we need help at the Mud Hens. Do you want an interview? Because it was a friend of his that was in a class that came up to him and said, hey. So I said, you've got to keep everything in perspective. So what I'd tell people looking into that is you have to dive deeper than just school, no school, trade, no trade. It's really what do you have passion to do? If you have passion to do any of that and it takes a little bit of a higher education, then by all means, you're going to be passionate. You're going to succeed. You're going to have that piece of paper. But if you're not passionate, there's many other things that you can get passionate about and still make money. Speaking of school or no school, it's not just about getting a degree. Like one of the <laughs> big aspects of school that I wish I did more of was the networking portion, right? That you <laughs> talked about that your son was in school and he was able to yep. get these contacts to get yep. that gig, right? So yep. it's actually about school or no school. There's a networking component uh, that yep. a lot of university college students are not really taking advantage of, right? They're just focusing on the work, but not. not building the relationships, right? And another thing is like a lot of students, they're not building relationships with their professors and these professors no contacts in the corporate world that could right. further them the opportunities, which I didn't do either, right? Absolutely. Again, I was more about like just getting my degree and getting out without any, and then yeah. applying to jobs cold, mm -hmm. which I sh shouldn't have done, just do. I should have like built up my network a bit more and make my transition from education into corporate a lot easier. Right. And, you know, it's funny you say that because that was another huge aspect of my son's guidance that I gave him. You know, back when I first started in the medical industry, I didn't have a cell phone in the beginning. I definitely didn't have a smartphone that was a miniature computer in my hand that took me away from, you know, all the things that I was involved in. So I remember going to networking events with and handing cards out, you know, back in, because I'm also, if you haven't noticed, I'm kind of an entrepreneur as well, but a medical background entrepreneur. <laughs> so I've created a few different companies in my time. You know, the voiceover one's the one that is a pretty good, solid one for me now that I have steady work in and I can do it around my busy schedule. But what I told him, I said, the reason why he got the jobs down in Columbus and the Call of Duty job was me asking him one time, hey, listen, the Mud Hens are playing the Columbus Clippers this weekend. 
And I think you should ask your boss if he knows anybody in the Clippers organization and say, hey, can I come down and shadow your facilities? No, dad, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, please, son, just for the love of all that is holy, can you just do this for me and it'll shut me up? So he's like, fine, I'll ask him. Sure enough, guess what? His boss up to the Cleveland Mudhens had a good friend of his that ran the Clippers. <laughs> so they set up a time. He went down, had a great meeting with the Clippers, ended up being a rain delay, right? No baseball was played, but Carter was in the facility talking with the people that were waiting to see if the rain delay was going to be lifted. And then somebody asked him, hey, do you know 3Play? And 3Play is a replay program that he used at Bowling Green. He goes, yeah, I know that. He goes, oh my gosh, I hate three play. We need a three play producer. We need a three play operator for Call of Duty. And my son was like, what? Because <laughs> huge gamer, right? You know, his generation, huge gamer. Call of Duty is his, you know, second life <laughs> along with a few other games. So that was a networking thing that I had to force him. I had to grind him down over weeks to actually just ask and do. And he finally did it. And look what happened. And the people out there that are in the younger generation, they don't think that's how it works because they've never seen it because of whatever reason. Networking is a ginormous situation. Networking happened when I got my sales job. We were sitting there across from the table looking at these products that my EMS system was going to buy. And the sales rep and I struck up a conversation outside of the transaction, found out that I was a respiratory therapist, found out that I wanted to get into sales. And he invited me down to the company to take a look and to have an interview. That's networking. You don't get what you don't ask for, right? And be careful what you ask for because you just may get it. <laughs> so it's a fine line there. To start your story, when you were getting into respiratory therapy, the person said that I don't see you staying in this career that long. What was the traits that made him say that compared to? I never yeah. followed up with him on that. I only assume because I'm type A, extroverted, don't know too many strangers. <laughs> I mean, you and I, the first time we talked for what, almost an hour that night, right? With our pre-call. So I'm just very personable. And maybe he noticed that through my introduction. By that time, I had done plenty of public speaking. I had done singing. I had sung in public. I had sung at a baseball game, the national anthem. You know, by that time when that all happened, I had some confidence that was inherent in me, I think. So at that time as well, I was also putting myself through college, working with my father in the construction industry. So I was out there in the real world, learning real world things, building real world stuff for people and just growing exponentially during those three years of college before I applied for that respiratory therapy schooling. So I think it was only maybe he saw in me that I was just someone who wasn't just a student. I was a professional of some sort. I was building houses with my dad. So that's a professional house builder. You know what I mean? I get paid to do it. That's a professional. And then maybe he just saw that in me. That's the only thing I can think of. I've never run into him again later on in life. He retired and moved away and I've never touched. He's not on Facebook. I don't even know if he's still alive. But that man is the reason why I have, you know, because it put that spark in my brain of like, what did he mean by that? Because I never really even, other than rebuttaling him at that moment in time, what do you mean? Oh my gosh, you're telling me I'm not going to succeed in this? And he's like, no, let me clarify. You're going to use this and do things that are greater than this. And I was like, oh, and whatever that put in my brain, I always thought there was something more for me. Even in the EMS, you know, a lot of people would think, well, you were a respiratory therapist. You know, that's just below a nurse. And, and, you know, paramedics are just, you know, they're the scum of the earth, right? Well, paramedics are not the scum of the earth. We do a lot more than respiratory therapy. And we do a lot more than nurses, typically, depending on what hospital you work in. We have to know everything. We have to know all the way from how to deliver baby to how to do CPR properly and save someone's life. And it could be years before you have any of those, right? I have been a part of deliveries in the ER setting, but not as the lead person or the team, the lead three team. We just delivered our first baby like three months ago in my career. I've been a paramedic for 18 years. So I had to know exactly what to do. So there's training involved. And that leads me to the next thing that I'm doing now in my EMS career. I took just being a paramedic. Our department decided to do some form of different type of training, and they put together a team that develops training modules to take to our entire group on a monthly basis, and we train them whatever we need to train them on. So I took 
my background of the respiratory therapy, the paramedic, the things that I've learned through other career, and now I help a team develop education that we bring to our department and actually to other outlying departments. I've gone to other counties and trained them on certain things. I've gone to national conventions and learned how to do training specifically for EMS. So it's within that paramedic you know, hat that I wear. I'm also another level of that's different than a brand new paramedic that just graduated from college or from a program. I am considered an education person inside of EMS and I don't know where it's going to stop. I don't know when I'm going to stop doing more things. <laughs> In terms of your career transitions throughout the medical space, yeah. paramedic, sales, product development, <laughs> the common theme is a lot of these transitions was through networking, right? They say, oh, there's some paramedic training that's opening up. Maybe you should go do it, right? To transition your career. Oh, we're looking for a sales guy. You have a lot of experience in the, the medical space and you've gained these opportunities through networking. And the common theme that I've seen is that you kept saying yes to all these opportunities that were given. You never said no, unless there were some no rejections that you haven't mentioned. Oh, there's there were some things I said no to. <laughs> but, okay. But they were my choice, not a have-to choice. Right after I became a paramedic, I was working in my first paramedic job. And one of the people I was working with was like, oh my gosh, you're a respiratory therapist. My girlfriend lives in Florida and she's a respiratory therapist and a paramedic. And she takes fixed wing flights all over the world. I think you'd be good at that. Do you want to know anything about it? I'm like, yeah, because he's like, they're hiring. I'm like, okay, yeah. So that company flew me down to Florida. They hired me in the first 20 minutes of my interview. They took me on a flight. They ended up having a, a call where we had to fly to a, another part of the country and pick up a patient and bring him back to another part of the country. And they're like, you're here for three days. Do you want to go on it? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, pack your small bag and get in the plane in two hours. I'm like, okay. So I did that. Jones and happy. This is awesome. I love this. This is, yes, this is what I want to do. I had a brand new baby at home and, you know, two years into my marriage, came home and said, honey, they hired me, but I have to give them a decision in the next, you know, five days. This is what my schedule would be. She's like, okay, what's that? I said, it's seven days on and seven days off. In between those, I have to drive to and back and forth from Ohio to Maryland. Or we can move to Maryland. And she's like, well, that's not going to happen because my parents are here and we're going to raise our child around my parents. And I'm like, I totally agree. This schedule is not going to work. And I had to say no. And now I have zero needs or wants to be on a fixed wing or helicopter anymore. It is weird because that was the only thing. That's the reason why I got into EMS. So, so I could be on a helicopter. And now I don't care. <laughs> yeah, priorities change as you get older, right? Right, um, right. That was like the perfect time to do it. I'm an empty nester, and but I'm like, nope, I don't want to. <laughs> so how do you decide between saying yes to opportunity and no to opportunity? Some people go too far and say <laughs> yes to everything, and then they get burnt out. Sometimes they reject everything, and then they're not growing, and then they end up being miserable. So what's the good balance between like what's the right opportunity for you and what's the wrong opportunity? In my opinion, it's all about weighing your options. You know, I didn't make a decision. Yes, I wanted that fixed wing job. Absolutely. It was a goal. It was a dream of mine. And here it is handed to me in 20 minutes of my interview, right? And rolled out the red carpet. Just they did everything they could to get me on board. But I had to sit back and say, wait a second. I just started a family. I really, is this really the best thing for my life and my career? You know, no, it's not. So you have to weigh everything when you're in that situation. The good news about jobs is they're not an emergency run, <laughs> you know, where I have to make decisions in a split second to save someone's life. The jobs that you look for or you go out and you try to get, you know, even the medical development job, the product development job, that was like a four-week process. You know what I mean? So it wasn't instantaneous. There was a lot of long discussions about leaving sales and leaving EMS to go and only do one job. I'm proud to say that I'm diversified in my careers. So I don't get those weird feelings of, oh, if I'm laid off tomorrow, what am I going to do? You know, I have family members that are only in the corporate world. They only know one thing. Let's say they know how to program a computer. Well, now, a lot of programmers right now. So those jobs are good. But if they're not, if for some reason graphics designers go on the fritz and they're saying, nope, AI can do it now. We don't need you. What are they going to do? They have only one career path. So to diversify while you're inside of that, to make yourself 
you know, appealing to multiple parts of your industry. And there's a lot of different parts in every industry is not a bad thing. And I would suggest everybody to at least, you know, every couple of years, go get an interview. That's another thing I did. I would never decline an interview. The, the first time I started declining interviews was probably in the last five years, maybe five to six years I've declined interviews. Now I get recruitment calls weekly for becoming a restaurant therapist someplace else in the country, travel jobs. I deny them because I'm in a good place right now and I like my job and I'm six years away from retirement. So I'm at the back end of my career. I don't need to make those advancements. I want to make my advancements inside of my place now, like being the educator that I am and bringing the content that I have up here out to the world of my EMS or respiratory group and teach them so that they can do better as a younger paramedic or a respiratory therapist. <clears throat> The one thing you mentioned about like how your priorities change, like I've, when I was young, I wanted to like work for the sports teams in Toronto, right? Like the big ones. Oh yeah, yeah, You're a Toronto, maybe. Yeah, Toronto. Yeah. So like <laughs> now that I'm older, I wouldn't want that job, right? Because I like, I'm in marketing. Right. So if I did like social media management, their games are at night, right? So that means I have to work at night. Work at night. I might have to attend a lot of the home games, so my yeah. schedule's all over the place. And yep. now that I'm older, I'd rather not do that. Like I I don't mind going to a game every so often, but re right. revolving around my lifestyle. Like that's probably not what I want to do right now based off my age. Right. So right. Like, a young person, it's good the first couple of years, but then as yep. you get older, priorities change, family, your own like social life, it might yep. not be the, the right opportunity at that point. Right. And, you know, just to kind of mention, I had two kids and I have a, a daughter who just graduated from high school and her senior year in high school, she's in a program called pharmacology tech. Right. So that prepared her to take a pharmacy licensure test for the a national pharmacy licensure test. So she's a licensed pharmacy tech. Like I'm a licensed respiratory therapist. She had a choice to go to Ohio state for nursing or Tampa for nursing. And one of the things I told her, I said, you've done your internship at Ohio state. You can get a job at Ohio state and have a good part-time job which is actually not a bad full-time job if for whatever reason nursing doesn't work out for you. You get into it and you don't like it. You've already got one backup plan already. And she's 18 years old. And I mentioned to her, I said, it's no different than me being a respiratory therapist and then becoming a paramedic or vice versa. Because I also know people that were a paramedic first and now they're a respiratory therapist or a nurse. And they have some diversity and they have some choices, but it's still in the medical field. Now, one thing I will suggest if there's medical people that are listening to this, the one thing I really concentrate on lately in my next passion project is the mental health of the first responder. I had a blindsided situation to me happen. I had no idea it was this certain call was going to affect me the way it did. And I went to a very dark place. I have seen lots of death, both elderly children. I have had many a weird things that I've seen on scene or in the ER, just crazy stuff, just like in the movies and just like in the TV shows. Yes, we do see some crazy stuff. Those never really affected me, but they did. And I didn't know they did until the one that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I had no clue, completely blindsided, went down a bad tunnel, pulled myself out of that tunnel. And now I'm in the position to go educate one fellow paramedics, and, and actually it's going to expand into hospital in general because with the past three years, nursing programs and nurses have had nothing but, pardon my French, shit handed to them and not on a silver platter. So they don't even know if you're a nurse out there and you don't think that you've had micro scars over the last three years for all the stuff that you've seen, you do. And don't hesitate to reach out for help. There is no such thing as you can't ask for help nowadays. The stigma is dead. And I'm going to make sure that I go out and I teach everybody I can that there's no such thing as a mental health stigma anymore, especially in the healthcare field. It's no different than combat. It's no different than the medic, than the military when it comes to our micro scars and our big scars. So that's my next passion project. And my next goal in my career after I retire is maybe take that type of talk nationally. So- I'm not done yet. <laughs> so for someone who's surrounded with a lot of death as a paramedic over the years, how has that changed your mindset and how you've lived your life? 
oh, wow, I'm probably a little bit safer than I was when I was in my 20s when it comes to speeding and driving and seatbelts and head on a swivel. And, you know, that's always like a, hey, head on a swivel. You know, uh, when my kids leave the house to go to a concert or whatever, hey, head on a swivel. I know police officers and they're always looking for the problem. I'm not like that, but I'm always very keen of my surroundings. And I've been in situations before where situations have gone south in front of me and I've had to act as a paramedic. I was on an airplane one time and I walked by some guy and I'm like, this guy's not going good. Reached down and felt for his pulse. He had no pulse. And we started going to CPR on a plane in 30,000 feet in the air. So I have a duty to act. I'm also protected by the laws of my state and my licensure that I'm not causing harm. So I have a duty to act and I can act without repercussion as long as I felt that it was for the better of that person. But when it comes to what you asked, it doesn't really affect me. I may be a little bit more aware of situations and dangerous situations, or sometimes I get flashes. That's weird to say. In other words, they're mental images of someone that I see them in a bad situation because of what I've seen before in the past, where maybe they remind me of a patient that's even in my subconscious. And I flash on them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just saw myself doing CPR on that guy. And luckily it's never come true. Nobody that I've flashed on said, man, I walk by him and, or somebody that I've seen at a store and they're an employee and I flash on them inside my brain. They remind me of something in my subconscious of the stuff that I've seen for, for the last 25 plus years. Luckily, I've never been like, well, here I am. I knew it. You know, it's, I'm not clairvoyant, but it's one of those things where, you know, the scars that happen in the medical field and the micro injuries that happen in the medical field, if we don't talk about them, if we don't share them, if we don't train the next generation on them, it will eat us up. So I don't have that big, huge one answer question to how it changed my life. I just know it's changed. I will say that I know for a fact why I became medical. Unfortunately, it was the day that I had to pull my mom out of a car because she lost her pulse and had to do CPR on her at the side of the road. That's the day that I knew that's why I became a respiratory therapist and know what I know, you know? So when it comes to why I do what I do and why I want to expand and what I expand, it's because I've been put on this earth for a purpose and I'm really good at it and it needs to be passed on to the next person. Going back to what you said about uh, being able to diversify your skill set. For example, like one of the common themes that young professionals perceive in terms of moving up the corporate ladder is that it is a ladder. It's going vertically up. But what I've learned throughout my experience in the corporate world is that the best way to move up is to take a few steps lateral. What I mean by that is right. if you start marketing, maybe do a lateral move into operations or do another lateral move into project management yep. because they want a diversified skill set. So then yep. like, when things do hit the fan, you have a variety of skills inside the same industry, which makes you more indispensable. In demand, like, yeah. Yeah, or more in demand indispensable. to people yeah. who just have like one skill. So how can people get additional skill sets in the same industry when they're being pigeonholed in their current role where they're not giving them a lot of opportunities to do different things because they've right. been hired to do a specific thing and the current company is not letting them do like other things in the industry to help grow their skill set. Well, the beautiful thing about the age that we're living in is you can go to YouTube and learn a lot of stuff. You can go and if you're interested in a different part of your company and you don't know anything about it, most likely you can go and type on the Google machine or in chat GPT now and say, hey, I'm interested in this type of part of this industry that I'm in. And you could get courses and classes and videos. And that was never around. It was all the hard way back when I was coming up through things to become a paramedic. I couldn't just go and like at that time, internet was still pretty new when it came to like the, I think YouTube was around, but it wasn't like it is now. There was no medical channels that talk to you about respiratory ailments and stuff like that, that you could learn and see maybe some pictures and videos of things that you would see and decide if that's going to be for you. That wasn't as prevalent as it is now. So just know that right now is the best time in the world to ever live when it comes to wanting to learn something else. I have always been told that I've had a good radio voice. Everybody's like, hey, you sound like you should be on the radio, talking to him on the phone or whatever. For one day, I decided to look into voiceover acting. How does that work? Found a free seminar, watched it for an hour, 
got a spark to start learning more about it and interviewed 10 different coaches and decided to go ahead and invest in that instead of going back to a college at four times the amount, right, of investment. And I just let your listeners know that just because your company won't let you do it doesn't mean that you can't not learn about it. So if the opportunity ever does strike, hey, a year later, you put that seed in your boss and a year later is like, hey, you know what? John just left and you were interested in John's position. You still have any interest in that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been doing this and this for the last year. Oh, well, wait a second. You're more qualified than I thought because you did this on your own. Don't hesitate to take on something. You know, don't wait for someone to tell you what to do. Do it for yourself. Do it for yourself and your own growth. Yeah, hundred percent. Like a lot of people are waiting for like the promotions or things to get hands to them, right? But you gotta be proactive. If they're not giving you opportunities, like learn about it on your own time. And obviously you also gotta promote and sell yourself. Um yeah. like, you have conversations oh, with coworkers, like other team members, just talk about what you've been doing and then eventually say, Oh, I heard like Kyle's been like learning about this stuff, right? Maybe since this person left, maybe you should yep. you should interview him to see if they're interested in this opportunity, right? Yep, exactly. I mean, I was asked several times in my career friends, people that know me, my personality, I have been asked, you know, I I told you that I got recruited all the time, right? I got asked to be insurance salesman. I got asked to go learn how to do real estate. You'd be a great real estate agent, Kyle. I'm like, yeah, I know that would be really fun to do. It'd make a lot of money. Then 2008 hit and they weren't making nothing. And now we're back to one or two transactions every six months for these real estate agents. Don't get me wrong. They had a heyday in the last couple of years and they're still going to be doing good when they get their sales. But I didn't have the passion. I had no interest in it. No interest in selling insurance. Back when I did leave the medical field for a little bit right before 9-11, I needed to get sales experience because I kept on getting turned down by sales reps or sales companies saying, you don't have sales experience. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go get sales experience. I can't go get medical sales experience. So I'm just going to go out there and ask people that I know what kind of sales positions they know. One of my neighbors said that his company, he knew somebody that was hiring somebody for selling the mats that you walk into at a grocery store or a business or safety gloves and uniforms, right? that syntax, whatever it's called. I went and interviewed. They liked me. They wanted to hire me. At the same time, I said, you know what? I have no idea what that business is about. But what I do know is I've been building stuff ever since I was old enough to hold a hammer with my dad. I put myself through college building things. I went and found a job in selling windows and doors for a company. I was more passionate about that. I got my sales experience. I left the hospital system for a little bit, stayed part-time, went and dove deep for about a year into selling windows and doors and getting the sales experience for my resume. But I liked that job. I knew that job. I could speak professionally about that. I didn't know how to speak professionally about mats. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where I was given two choices. I went out and diversified my own choices to see what would be better. And I never was scared. I never was scared because I knew I had the medical field to fall back on. Yeah, you make a good point in terms of like, you can try something different. If it doesn't work out, you can always go back to what you're doing before, right? Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. yep. And once again, I was getting the sales experience so I could accelerate my medical job. It was the necessary means because I kept on, it wasn't just once that I got told no because I didn't have sales experience and you stick to your guns with it and they either say yes or no. And most of the time I got my way. <laughs> I want to discuss something that you brought up a bit earlier in terms of like the voiceover, where you said to invest in a coach over going back to school and paying four times the amount. A lot of professionals that I speak to, like they're struggling with a job search. They ask me for help. And then some of the reasons why they sign that goal with me is they'd rather go back to school and spend like thousands of dollars more. 20, to, 30, 40,000. Yeah, 30, 40,000, which makes like absolutely no sense. I guess because like school has that reputation of being proven compared to a coach where it might not be proven. What's the mindset for you in terms of like why they say you go with a coach compared to right. going to the traditional route? Well, once again, it fell back to what would I be passionate about? What would I want to do? What would I feel like I want to do? So my schooling path would have been something to utilize my career and to utilize my previous schooling. It would have to have been something in the healthcare administration, the EMS administration, public safety administration type of path that didn't interest me at all. I was struggling to find the passion in that. I didn't have it. So 
when the voiceover thing came up, it was cheaper, of course. And I said, wait a second, you know, I can do voices. I read books and character voices to my kids all the time. I've been doing funny voices my whole life. And in the beginning of voiceover, that's what I thought it was. It's not that. Yes, there's a sliver for voices and character voices, but there's a lot of e-learning. There's a lot of commercials. There's medical e-learning. And I do more medical and corporate e-learning now than I do voices, but I can still do voices. So I have fun when I do voiceover, for the most part, I have fun when it's big, long projects and it's tedious and I'm behind this microphone for six hours and I got to edit it. Yeah, it sucks, but I'm getting paid pretty decently to do that. I don't do it for pennies. You know what I mean? But there's times when I'm in my booth and I'm acting like a character or acting like Santa because I put up on Fiverr that I can talk like Santa. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like I have fun doing that. I'm making somebody happy. You know, I'm making someone laugh. It's a relief. It's a release. It's something different than the medical trauma and and mayhem that I see on that side of things. And that's when I really dove into it. I put a spreadsheet together. I interviewed 10 or plus coaches. You know, I knew that with a name like mine, with a name like Goodnight, which I have had people walk up to me 25 years after meeting me and remember who I was because of my last name. I've taught my kids that you can't be a jerk in public because if they know your name, because you're going to remember you, you know, and it's proven itself over and over again that my last name is a blessing and a curse. Kyle, good night. Good night is something you say to your loved ones pretty much on a daily basis, right? If you live with them and you're saying goodnight to them. And I'm the only Kyle Goodnight in the world that I found spelled the way I spell it. I put a K in the middle of my name. That's a good knight in shining armor. So the only other Kyle Goodnight I've ever met with the N-I-G-H-T, he's on Facebook and we're actually friends and we spoke a few times. So... What's the origin of your last name? Like, where's it from? Is it like Irish? Oh, wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. We're right at an hour, aren't we? So everybody would think that it's British, right? It is not. So my dad calls me up and my son was in fifth grade and we had to do a project on our last name. And I called up my dad. I'm like, let's call my dad. So we called my dad and he's like, oh, you sitting down, Kyle. He's like, I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? You're like, are we not really good nights? Like, are we Joneses? You know, (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with Joneses. I know many people named Jones that are wonderful people. He's like, nope. He goes, everything we thought about our last name is completely wrong. Aunt Kathy found some documentation that changed everything. Okay. All right. What's up? So when the British came to America, they brought people that wanted to come and they were German, right? So some Germans came with them and they brought them over and put them up as the basic, just roundabout. So when Great Britain and America started having their differences with one another, and then they went to war, the British turned to the Germans and said, we brought you over here. You're British. You're going to fight for us and we need to change your name. So my name is actually derived from German, which is Guten Reader, which is Guten is good and Reader is one who rides the way I understand it. So my last name is Guten Reader. And then when the British changed their name, they said, okay, well, that's Guten is good and Reader is one who rides. That's a knight. You're good knight. That's the origin of my name. (laughs) It's not really a birth name. It's like uh, how like all that, like, it was forced changed, right? That's yeah. 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 So it wasn't like name that carried for a generation. It was just like made from mm-hmm. like, you basically had to change your name. Yeah. So that's my life and career in a nutshell. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. <laughs> so to wrap this up in terms of like, how did you get into voice over acting? I know you briefly touched upon how they say, oh, you, you have a voice for the radio. And then you looked up like interview coaches to help you with the voiceover. So he quickly talks about how you decided to just pursue it. Right. You know, it was just one of those things I got interested. I had the itch to do something new. My wife will tell you that for many years, about every two years, Kyle seemed to switch jobs. Like, what's wrong? Was he having a problem at that other job? Did he not like it? No, I just wanted change, right? So for a big part of my career in the beginning, it was about every two years, give or take a month or so, that I would change hospitals. And then one of those two-year cycles was the paramedic thing. Once I became a full-time paramedic and worked at a private ambulance for a year, and that one sped up because private ambulances, it'll beat you up. And I was being recruited by a 911 system, which is where I wanted to be. And that was probably the longest time that I didn't, but I still wanted to do other things. 
I started, I got into sales. And in that first two years of being EMS, I got into sales. When I was in sales and did EMS, that was probably that nine years was probably the the longest time that I wasn't jonesing for something else or looking for something else because I was satisfied monetarily. I was happy taking care of my family, raising a family, you know, and doing all the stuff I do when you raise a family. So it didn't need to change. It, It was not good to change every two years like it was previously. But that time when I decided to become a voiceover actor, I hadn't done anything new. I'd been back on the medic after that corporate job. I didn't want to go back into sales. I don't want to go back into sales now. I feel like I've spent my time. I've not been approached with a heavy, high-hitting sales number yet. If someone wants to hire me to go sell ventilators for a million dollars a year, maybe I'll look at it a little bit harder, but that's not my goal right now. My goal right now is I'm on the end of my career. I want to retire. I want to be able to go and travel with my family and my wife, and I don't have those career aspirations that I used to. And I have the passion project that I really feel that I'm built for. I know how to public speak. I know how to create content. I know how to talk in front of a video. I can create courses. You know, I can create courses that somebody can quietly click on. Yes, I want to purchase this course and learn about how to become a little bit more mentally resilient to my traumas that I see at work. And I don't have to tell anybody, you know, oh, okay. In this course, they teach me how to not have to worry about, you know, hiding behind a mask. So It's one of those things where when I became a voiceover, I decided that I wanted something new. I was looking at the time and going back to school to get my degree in EMS or healthcare administration, and it just was not a passion for me. That one avenue was not a passion. I felt getting more excited and more excited about becoming a voiceover actor. I found some cheap, inexpensive used equipment and I went into my closet and closed the door with all that clothes around me and it was a good muffle and I recorded stuff onto a computer and I went back out and I listened to it and I'm like, man, I want to, I want people to hear this and I played for people and man, that's really good, Kyle. And that I knew I needed a coach. So I went and found a coach and that was a 10 month program. That coach was 10 months. I went to his office once a week for the most part, a couple times during Christmas and stuff. I sip a couple weeks and he taught me, he coached me how to be an actor. I wasn't an actor yet, even though I'm kind of a ham, I wasn't an actor. And with a lot of voiceovers out there, the biggest thing is the acting because you need to know, like, it's not always that I get respiratory therapy scripts, right? That I know front and back. I get project management script sometime. And I have to talk about supply chain management. Like I know what I'm doing and I have to act that. (laughs) So in a nutshell, that's how voiceover happened. And then it just became just kind of a passion project. You know, I'm sitting in, I built all of these sound panels. I built my booth. That's to my left of me. You can't see this is kind of my work area. You know, I've got good equipment, but that also led me being a voiceover led me to podcasts, producing them, being on them, and led me to you to be on your podcast today. So it's just one big, happy, cohesive flow in my life. <laughs> so to, to wrap up our conversation, Kyle, if there's a listener out there right now in a career rut, don't know what to do in terms of the next move, what is your mm-hmm. advice throughout your career in the medical field, voiceover, acting, mm-hmm. all that good stuff? What is the one piece of advice that you want them to take that they can action? Right. After the- So dive deep into your soul and find out what you could be passionate about, right? Don't hesitate to try something new because I'm a firm believer that there's no such word as failure. There's only life lessons, right? So if I tried something and I failed at it, okay, in my opinion, there was a bit of corporate sabotage in that medical development company, but I didn't look at it as a failure. In the beginning, there was like, oh man, how did I not succeed at this? I can accomplish anything. I put my mind to it. Well, that's my problem. Eventually, I don't think I had the passion I did when I first started that job. So that when that passion leaves, you got to look at what else is passionate. Getting back in the medical field was where my passion lay. Yes, it was fun to develop products. That was fun. It was. I got to travel around the country and around the world doing that too seeing new things that nobody else had seen. I'd seen prototypes of stuff that still hasn't hit the market, right? I've also seen and brought things to market that has saved countless lives as part of me bringing it to the market with my company. But you've got to be passionate for what you want to do. That's number one. Two, don't be afraid of just reaching out to people that have already are doing what you want to do and just talk to them. Just have a conversation. What do you like? What do you don't like? 
About once or twice a year, I get somebody calling me up. Hey, I've got a friend of mine that wants to be a paramedic. Would you talk to him? Yeah, I'll talk to him. You know, some of those have gone on to become paramedics and some of them haven't, you know, and I don't sugarcoat anything. I tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, you're away from your family 24 hours at a time, sometimes 48, depending on if you get snagged for overtime or be told that, hey, somebody called off sick. You got to cover this for another day. You know, things break at your house inevitably when you're on duty and you're not there to fix it. <laughs> like how many countless garage doors have broken when I'm on duty? How many cars have broke down in my family when I'm on duty and I can't get to them? You know, so, you know, there's pros and cons to the medical field, dealing with life and death, but also the pro is knowing how to save a life. So <laughs> I know that and I just got to do what I can until I get them to that next area. Sorry, I didn't, hopefully that wasn't too graphic for your listeners. Okay. I just, those are the kind of, that I literally have seen that a few times. So... <laughs> Again, Kyle, really appreciate our conversation today. How can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do sure. and how you can sure. potentially help them? Yeah, absolutely. Don't hesitate. It's super easy to find me. KyleGoodnight.com. K-Y-L-E-G-O-D-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. I have a voice. That's my voiceover. My homepage now is now two. I have the EMS talk and discussion for mental health, and then I have the voiceover. So at, that's where you can decide which path you want to go down to get a hold of me. Either way, the best way to find me is just Google me. I'm, I will be the only one. If you spell it right, you put the K in the middle. You know, if you put the good knight, you will find me. So that's really the best way. Like I said, blessing and a curse. I mean, if this goes super viral and, and the whole world hears my name, maybe it might, it'll probably fill up my inbox. Not that I don't have 72,000 emails already in my Gmail. <laughs> okay, again, appreciate the time, Kyle. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.